and uh, make sure you have your communion elements ready for that as well. Um, would you stand, please, for the reading of the scripture? Today's scripture is from Deuteronomy. Um, Leah read a little bit of it. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. It is from chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thank you. You may be seated. How about that praise band? They were really rocking out today, weren't they? My Redeemer lives. Absolutely. Well, have you ever had one of those uh, random chain of thoughts? You know, somebody says something and that gets you thinking about something else and that leads you to something else and pretty soon you're way off someplace away from where it started? Well, I had that experience recently when a friend of mine was telling a story about a man who uh, wanted a, a talking bird. And so he went into the pet store, and he talked to the owner of the pet store, and the man said, I've got just the bird for you right here. This bird will talk up a storm. And so he purchased the bird. He went home. Two weeks later, he came back very disappointed. That bird had not said one word. Oh, well, the pet owner... Well, uh, tell me about the, the cage you keep him in. What, what's the environment like? And he told him, described the cage, and he said, well, uh, that cage is probably too small. You need a bigger cage where the bird can move around and climb on things and, and uh, have some foliage in there so it kind of feels like it's outdoors. Uh, well, okay, so he bought this bigger cage, and he, he took it home. Two weeks later, came back. Even more disappointed than before, that bird had not said a word. Well, the pet store owner was a little puzzled, and he said, well, tell me where you keep the cage. And he told him, well, he keeps it in his back room in his office and back towards the back of the house. He said, well, you know, maybe that bird needs to kind of be out where it can see out a window and, uh, and hear other birds and maybe even buy a, a soundtrack of birds uh, so he feels like he's outdoors. Well, this guy's thinking this pet owner's just trying to sell me a bunch of stuff. But okay, he, he bought the soundtrack and he took it home and he played it for the bird. And two weeks later, a month and a half into this project, he comes back and he's even more disappointed this bird has not spoken. 
And the, the pet owner, store owner is really puzzled. He said, well, you know, maybe the parrot needs a companion. Uh, another bird uh, that can be there with him, and, and he'll feel more at home, and, and he'll talk. Well, he didn't know about that, but he bought a second bird, and he took it home. What do you think? Two weeks later, he comes back, really disgusted this time. This bird has not spoken, and a pet store owner, what? The bird has never said a word? He says, no, my bird died. And he said, the bird died without speaking? He said, well, just before he died, he says, doesn't that pet store sell any food? And that got my mind to thinking. Food. Stuff that sustains us in life. You know, with all this other junk that we have going on, what really sustains us? What, what do we need at, at, at the base? And, and that got me to thinking about my granddaughter. Uh, she's going off to college. In fact, she left yesterday. The family took her to South Carolina to, to go to school, to go to college. I thought, gee... We're sending Emma off into the world. What's going to sustain her? What does she need that's going to help her uh, with all of the things that she's going to encounter? There's going to be a lot of stuff out there, but what at the core is going to feed her? And I thought, faith. I hope she has a solid faith. I hope we've put her on a, a solid ground. And where do we learn that faith? Where did I learn my faith? And I, it kind of took me back to Sunday school, and I got thinking about that. And it occurred to me that all I really need to know, I learned in Sunday school. Now, how is that for a random chain of thought? But there it was. Sunday school, you know, is a great institution. It started in the... 1700, late 1700s, as a kind of a social action movement. Children back then didn't have schools to go to. They worked. They worked in factories. They worked in the mines. And, and so churches started Sunday school programs to help these children learn how to read and write. They would come on Sunday. And, of course, part of that was religious education as they learned to, to read the Bible and know the stories of the Bible and so forth. Uh, and it's kind of credited for... Um, helping set the stage for a rising middle class and pave the way for universal public education, which came along in, in the 1800s. You know, the public education, uh, with the oncoming of public education, Sunday school kind of shifted to just being about religious education. And in more recent years, we've begun to think that maybe Sunday school is optional. You know, it's not all that important. And I remembered uh, an Old Testament professor of mine in one of his uh, lectures making a comment that God has no grandchildren. Each generation needs to be taught the lessons of faith, and the seeds of faith need to be planted in each one of them. And, and uh, then I remembered this passage from Deuteronomy. Moses relayed to the Israelites the importance of teaching the Shema. You know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul 
and all your heart and all your strength. And you might recall that Jesus one day was being tested by a guy trying to trick him. He says, no, tell me, uh, Master, what's, what's the greatest law? And what did he say? He cited the Shema. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second, he said, is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The Shema forms the core of, of uh, this faith. And you might go to a Jewish home and you see the little masuza on the doorpost, that little canister, and that holds the Shema, that reminder. And M- Moses went on to stress the importance of teaching that to the children. You don't teach it when they lie down and when they get up and teach it w- in your homes and, and when you're walking around, the importance of teaching the next generation the lessons of faith. Paul, writing to a young Timothy who he had sent out on a mission, uh, you can read it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he reminds him to stir up this faith that was planted in you when you were young by your mother and your grandmother. I believe, like Moses did, that the home is the cradle of theology. Our children are going to learn from us as parents, you know, what is this faith that we believe in? And how do we practice this faith? And, uh, you know, we can get help from Sunday school in, in teaching our kids that. We, um, we send our kids to school, what, to learn math and English and science and all of those subjects because we think it's important for their future. And if we think that faith is important for their future, we certainly want to teach them those lessons as well. You know, we can teach math and science and stuff at home, but we send them to school to get help. And so we can get help by sending our kids to Sunday school. I think that uh, spiritual formation and uh, biblical education, faith education, is essential to their future. And as I thought about Emma going off to college, I know she's going to be exposed to a lot of things, I hope she has those seeds of faith planted in her. And that got me to thinking, well, what are those seeds of faith? What are those things that have been important to me? And where did I get them? And so as I kind of share with you the list of things that that I think I've learned that have been important to me, I I want you to reflect uh, for yourself, what are the lessons of faith that you have and where did you get them? The first thing I, I remember uh, getting is that little song, you know, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. That simple little song is really our first creed, our first statement of faith, to be a person of one book, to study it, to know it, be familiar with it, to, to learn the implications of how to live it out, Uh, That's the journey that we're on as disciples. This is my first Bible. I got this when I was nine years old. I I value this little book. The zipper's all ripped out of it. It's a King James Version. It's not the one I read that much anymore, but I sure value this book, even though they spelled my name wrong when they gave it to me. (laughs) That Bible, that first Bible, to be a person of one book. 
The second lesson I learned was Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Karl Barth, a great Swiss theologian, came to the United States to give a series of lectures, and uh, he was interviewed by uh, a reporter. And he said, tell me, Professor Barth, of all of the things you've studied, of all of the things that you've learned, what's the greatest lesson? And he said, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. To know that Jesus loves you sets you free to love yourself with all your weaknesses and all of your strengths, with all of your, your quirks, you can face yourself. And hopefully then you can do the same in others who have also weaknesses and strengths and quirks. That little truth, Jesus loves me, helps moves us to maturity. And when it does that, it's more than just a song we sing. It becomes a core value that we have and that we live by. You might remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Stephen, is, in one of his messages, was talking about where do we find our rest? We find our rest in Jesus, in his love and his sacrifice and forgiveness for us. We don't have to worry about anything because we can rest in that assurance. The third lesson that I learned in Sunday school was uh, the, the creation stories found in Genesis 1 and 2, and then Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. When I look at the heavens, the work of thy fingers, what is humankind? What am I? that you are mindful of us, that you are mindful of me. And yet you have crowned us with a little, with glory and honor. Serves as a reminder that I am a part of, a result of God's creative work. That God has made me along with everything else. I have made nothing. I owe everything to my creator and all of those that he has sent to help me along my way. As I've matured, I hope I've learned to live with humility and gratitude and thanksgiving for all that has come my way and a deep sense of responsibility for this garden in which God has placed me. Indeed, this is my Father's world, His hands the wonders have wrought. Fourth lesson, you know that old song, Deep and Wide, Deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. I'm not a singer. You, that's one of those things you have to forgive. But that, that comes the, from that comes the salvation story. And it's a reminder to me that, Alan, you can be a screw-up. You can miss the mark that God has set before you. You can be uh, lazy and judgmental and self-centered. You don't do things perfectly, and my wife will tell you I probably don't do most things perfectly. But what I do know is that while I'm called to work on all of these shortcomings that I have in myself, I don't have to feel a burden of guilt. God has forgiven me and set me on a new path. He's forgiven me by his love and his sacrifice. And that frees me to, to love other people who are also screw-ups. 
who also have failings. Fifth lesson that I've learned in Sunday school is that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You know, I grew up in a a church that was like a large old cathedral-type building, if you can imagine, you know, the high and vaulted ceiling and and the, the pulpit lifted way up in the air. And uh, we would come down on Sunday morning and we'd sit in the front pew as kids and uh, Reverend Adams would lean over that pulpit and look down at us and he'd tell us a story. And that was so impressive to me that this, this man way up there would pay attention to us. And then we would be marched out in single file out the door into another room where they'd hold what was called children's church. And there, Mrs. Cole, who was uh, the leader of the children's church, would get us to sing this song every week. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You know, there's a lot of things out there that will promise you health and wealth and happiness and abundance, but they're all temporary. The one thing that stands the test of time is the love of Christ. It's an eternal gift. And it connects us with the the depths of ourselves. It connects us with our Creator. It uh, helps us face our fears and our dreams. It sustains us through the storms of life. And it connects us with other people. And it gives us purpose in life to live as a disciple of Jesus. Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Sixth, I was remembering one of my favorite stories in Scripture from um, Mark chapter 4, I believe. The story about the, the grain of mustard seed. Maybe some of you who are older remember getting a, a grain of mustard seed encased in an acrylic thing. I had a, a keychain with that on it. Unfortunately, I've lost that somewhere over the years. But that, that story of the grain of mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds that will grow into a mighty bush, that seed of faith which if planted early in life grows and begins to spread through our life. So that faith becomes not something we just hear about, not just something we learn about, not just something that we hopefully come to believe, but it becomes something about who we are. It grows and it fills every part of us that just needs to find expression. You know, in every area of life, we, uh, we seek to ed- educate ourselves and continue to educate ourselves. You know, we go to seminars and continuing education things and we read books about stuff. Uh, None of us believes that an elementary education is sufficient for life, do we? We believe that we need to go on. And it's true, I think, of our faith education as well, that we want to keep going. And that kind of brought me to my seventh lesson that I've learned in Sunday school. When Jesus uh, said, whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did to me. In Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 34, he tells about, uh, you know, folks visiting 
those in prison and clothing the naked and feeding the hungry. And uh, he says to his disciples, whenever you did it to one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. It taught me that there's a special place in the heart of God for the vulnerable in this world. And discovering what that means is an ongoing, ever unfolding thing for me. But it compels me to be involved in mission work, you know, things outside the walls. And we've got an event like that coming up here in a couple weeks outside the walls. It, it compels me to be about peacemaking and about standing up for social justice and equality and mercy and to face my prejudices and uh, to resist them in the world. And if I am in the heart of God, then so is everybody else no matter what they call themselves. Whatever you do to the least of these, Jesus said, you do to me. Eighth lesson. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You know, I believe that God has something for every believer to do. Faith becomes a verb in us. Church becomes a verb. We're not called to some passive faith to be a light that sits on a hill covered with a basket. The light shines in us and lives in us, and we are to let it shine out into the world. It might be teaching the next generation the, the words of faith. It might be uh, through volunteer work in the community. It might be uh, in social action projects. It might be uh, just being a good Christian person in your workspace. God calls us, the Spirit equips us, and then we are sent into the world to be a light. Just as Jesus is a light onto our path, we are to be a light into the world. Ninth, and we're almost there. I learned when we all get to heaven, what a time of rejoicing it will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. You know, my time on this earth is going to come to an end. All of us are going to have that same experience. And when that time comes, they're going to put me in a box. But what I do know is that box can't hold me, just like it didn't hold Jesus Jesus has something more in store for us. The resurrection life is a gift that he has for us, he has for you. Do we still think that Sunday school is optional? I think it's so very, very important. Where do we learn these things? The world isn't going to teach us these things. We learn them in the home or we learn them in church. Where else can we continue to explore the meaning of these simple stories, these simple songs, these lessons as we learn to have a deep, daily, daring life with Christ? I want to thank my Sunday school teachers, uh, people who taught me these lessons of faith, Mrs. Dawson. Mrs. Dawson was this diminutive lady with a white hair and a little pillbox hat. And uh, I thought she was 100 years old when I was a kid. And she was one of those that, um, as I was talking with somebody between services, reminded me that she was one who uh, 
you learned the Ten Commandments and you learned them in order. And you learned the name of the disciples and you learned them in order. It, uh, she was a drill master, but she planted the seeds of faith. Mrs. Souter, poor Mrs. Souter, I remember her going to my mother and crying because I caused her such fits in Sunday school. You see, there is hope for us, isn't there? There is a, redemption is a reality, but I thank Mrs. Souter for putting up with me. There was Mrs. Cole, who I mentioned, and Mrs. Adams. My youth care workers, uh, youth uh, workers, Mel Sperling, Dick Gunther, Mel Whedon, Tim Hickey, Joy Arthur, such male examples in my life. And then there was uh, Miss Bethany King, the, our director of Christian education, and many, many vacation Bible school teachers and camp counselors. So I want to say to each of you who take part in our Sunday school program and our youth program, thank you so very much for planting the seeds of faith in, in these young people. And if you haven't been involved, I invite you to prayerfully consider uh, getting involved in some way. Talk to Miss Polly or Miss Leah about what you can do in that regard. I want to invite you to consider making this a year of spiritual formation and growth for yourself. And, you know, talk to uh, Holly Timberlake about how you might get involved in a small group or take part in uh, some of our mission projects. Or make this a year of regular worship attendance and talk to, to Donna here about how you might get involved in, in our worship setting or Jen Robinson about how you might be a hostess. But make this a season when you read the Bible. In the 10th lesson, and this is the perfect 10, I remember Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me. And he said that uh, uh, certainly at the family meal when he gathered disciples together at the end of his time on earth. But I think he was saying something more. Do whatever you do on a daily basis. Live in remembrance of me. But one of the things we do do is we gather regularly to take part in this family meal. And it is our family meal. It's not our meal. It's God's table. He invites us to it. You need not be a member of this church or any church to partake. If you desire to lead a new life in Jesus Christ, we invite you to take part in this communion. In a moment, we are going to open this up and we'll invite you to take the bread when we come to that and peel back the cellophane on the little chalice to consume the juice when we come to that. But as we prepare to receive these elements, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Lord, hear our prayer of thanksgiving and remembrance. We look about us and marvel at the wonders of your creation. You set us in the midst of the garden and charge us to care for it, and we have not always done a good job of that charge. Let, yet, O oh Lord, we know that you have been patient and you sent your word through the prophets to call us to a life of repentance. Two, your word has come to us through those who, who would teach us how to take better care of this world. Grant us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hands to serve as your stewards. Lord, we remember how you set 
your son in our midst to show us a better way in the world and in a relationship one with another. We give you thanks for those who have learned the lessons of faith and have passed them down through the ages so that the seed of faith might be planted and grow in us. We remember how you sent your followers into the world to teach, to baptize, to bring healing to the sick, release to the captives, and to make disciples of your children. Lord, we give you thanks that we have received the faith from the hands of the saints that have gone before us. We hear the call now to go and to be the ones who share the faith with yet another generation of believers. Most of all, Lord, we remember how on the night that you gave yourself up, you gathered your followers and you shared that family meal and how you took the bread and you gave thanks and you broke the bread and you gave it to them and you said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And how you took the cup and you gave thanks and you gave it to your disciples and said, take, drink. This is my blood which is poured out for you, a cup of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here and upon these gifts, the grain of the field, the fruit of the vine. Lord, may we be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one in Christ, one in each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Hear your people as we proclaim, amen. Now I invite you to take the elements, to receive the bread which is broken for you, Take this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And then you may take the little chalice and peel back the cellophane. Take this is the blood of the new covenant in Christ's blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take these things and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Eternal God, we give thanks for this holy mystery. Grant that we may go into the world with the strength of the Spirit. May we remember all that has been taught to us and give ourselves to the task of sharing it with others. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. <clears throat>